Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. 2018 has been a year when Generation Z has really come into their own, most visibly with the powerful movement that emerged following the tragic shooting that happened in Parkland, Florida. But how can we better understand this new cohort of young people who are already shaping the world around us? Molly is the co-founder of Irregular Labs, a Gen Z-owned and run think tank and studio, as well as The School of Doodle, a nonprofit that uses creativity to build confidence in teen girls. Molly brought a group of these talented young people to Voices 2018 so we could benefit from their insights and experience. So here's Molly Logan in conversation with Nikolaya Rips, Elise Olson, Liv Little, Kai Isaiah Jamal, and Lula Osoki at Voices 2018. All right. Um, so again, fluidity and Gen Z, this is a huge topic. So we sort of thought about it and I'll give you a quick background on all of them. And I prefer that they usually do it for themselves because they don't need another old person (laughs) speaking for them. But um, I think what's most interesting to me with all of them is that they're so young, but they've been working within sort of professional systems and they've made different choices about how they did that. And so one thing that I hear a lot when clients hear, oh my God, Gen Z's coming and they're fluid and what are you talking about? There's no contradictions and one minute it's this and then it's that, is what what does one do? And so I always sort of say the same thing to people where I'm like, there's three things that are going to happen and I think you have a choice in that. Um, So basically any system, whether you're a politician, I don't care what you are, Imagine you've got your room. So you have your room and you set your room up and you've got furniture in it. And Gen Z comes by and in your best case scenario, the least likely one, is they're going to come in and they're going to sit down, and they're going to have tea and they're going to take a nap with millennials and then that's great. Nothing's, nothing's disturbed. Everything's in place. It's totally not going to happen. The other one is they come in your room, they have some tea, they probably still take a nap with the millennials and then they get up and they move some furniture around. And they decide there's a wall that they don't like and they take their sledgehammer and they bash it in and knock it down. But they ask you to rebuild the wall with them. They may not ask you where they, to rebuild it, but they'll ask you. That's a good scenario. That's what you want. The third one is, is that you're sitting in your room waiting for them and they don't show up because they just walk by and they build their own room. That's the one you probably don't want. And that's the one that some of them have done, but I think what's really important is the ways in which they've operated. So both Liv and Elise started magazine. They saw that, well, they're really media companies and empires, but um, they saw that there was a need, there was a hole. And a lot of people would have gone into, they would have interned someplace or they would have figured out, waited for permission to do it, and neither of them did it. And they saw holes to give a platform to voices that were not being heard properly or were not being given agency. And so I think I'd like to start by hearing from sort of both of you about that choice, because to me, that's the third thing. They went, they went over here and did it, although they still operate with the system. So do you want to quickly maybe at least start with like why you chose to, to do that? Um, and what your first magazine was. I, I mean, it. when I was 13, um, I started my first publication. Before that, I had um, 
I started my first blog when I was eight. Like a lot of people of our generation kind of took to the blog as like a medium and a kind of platform for our um, voices. Um, and I think reasons, you know, the reason that I wanted to start it was because I felt that there was this lack of, um, you know, youth-driven projects, but also, you know, the youth magazines that, um, were out there at the time were kind of like, you know, commercial glossy magazines promoting, you know, beauty standards and gender stereotypes um, and that I didn't agree with. And these magazines were also, you know, usually adults reporting on youth culture from an outsider's perspective. And I wanted to see um, a magazine that was, you know, reporting from the inside. So reasons was essentially a magazine um, run by and for young people um, and kind of what I wanted to see at the time. But you've had, you've had opportunities, I mean, even then, to after recent, or it's not really an after, but you're, you've stepped down as the editor-in-chief um, uh, to go and work at established publications, and then you chose still to make another magazine of your own. Yeah, um, I did Reasons for five years until last year when I turned 18 and I wanted to, it was kind of always a conscious choice that when I was going to, you know, turn 18 and essentially become an adult, I wanted to step down as my position as, an, you know, the editor-in-chief of right. a youth magazine because it kind of felt like, you know, running a student magazine as a teacher. Um, so I stepped down last year and then I started a new a new publication, fashion criticism right. publication, and you know both of them are um, in print magazines only. But why? But my point is, is that you didn't go to work in another magazine. Like yeah. again, you decided to build something outside. But like, why? Why did you? Because the system? you know, at the time, it was unprecedented that young people would have any sort of impact in the global cultural conversation, and it's you know that's when we first started and. Um, now it's very different. Right. So, Liv, you did sort of a similar as far... I mean, you didn't you... Not sort of similar, you did. You created Galdem outside, but why? I feel really old on this tunnel now. <laughs> I'm like 24, just starting you know. when, when you were eight, which is um, amazing. But, yeah, no, so Galdem um, really came from, like, a need for, for representation and for a space, whereas women of colour, as non-binary people of colour, we could explore issues which maybe were important to us, maybe pertain to our um, gender and our sexuality, but also to have a space where we could speak about anything that we wanted to. And I think often in mainstream media, there's a tendency that you become that one voice, you become that kind of token, um, and, and that's exhausting, and that's not the only kind of interest that we have. And I think at the time, I, there, there was not a space that was speaking specifically to kind of um, young women of colour in, in, in the way that I wanted to. Um, I work in commissioning at the BBC as well. That maybe takes up like 10% of my time and the rest I spend um, working um, on Galdem. But there definitely was, was a need. You, you've got your women's magazines that speak to women more broadly and then you've got magazines which speak to maybe an old generation of black women but there's nothing that's really speaking to that demographic in between. So we really are plugging that gap and it's great because now we're working with brands we're building creative campaigns for them and um, we're consulting with them we're working with cultural partners and institutions like the vna we're doing takeovers of the guardian and we're proving that you know this is this is a huge market that's being underserved and i think often people say oh isn't it quite niche but this niche is millions and millions and millions of young um, women of color 
globally who aren't being who are being underserved by mainstream media. So I think it was you can't you can't you just can't wait for other people to do it for you. You know you have to. Well, that's I think that's such a huge and we spoke a little bit about about that last night. Is that your generation are nihilistic? Like you you do think it's it's you're highly optimistic about your capabilities, but I mean, no wonder you wake up every day and have pretty much for your adult lives, which I consider them to be adult lives, and the world's ending. So there's sort of no time, which is a little bit what I think I hear from you when you talk about why you made decisions to go and do something in a certain way. Um, I think change happens on two levels as well, because it's useful sometimes to be within those spaces and institutions and also simultaneously have that thing which is separate too. So I know that in commissioning at the BBC, I've got access to these resources and can Mm -hmm. kind of distribute to new voices and filmmakers that wouldn't ordinarily have that. And then also with Galdem, you're able to have this like scalable impact without the kind of bureaucracy that comes sometimes with being in those um, major institutions. So everyone's today in this day and age seems to have like a side hustle and those side hustles then become their main hustle hustle, right yeah um so let me actually that leads into because Nikolaya this has been your experience of of we were talking about access and why you published at the age of 17 she's the most annoying person ever um (laughs) and it's an amazing book that's the even more irritating part of it all um but what? But having been in that published and now, so we're working on Nikolai having an imprint. Well, imprint depends on where it goes. And this is an exact, this is sort of that fork where a system publishing has a choice. Do they, do they want to give somebody like this an imprint? And does that make sense for her? Or does she just go and create her own thing? And it would be Gen Z for Gen Z because why that doesn't exist, we have no idea. But we were talking about access and you sort of working within a system and realizing what was flawed and whether one, why you chose to work in that system and then why you would choose to continue to or not. Right. I worked within the system because I could, because it was an opportunity presented to me. They paid me. They gave me a platform and it's in a, it's in a world that I highly respect and I love this literary tradition and I do think that it is, can be fluid and that publishing houses can be fluid because there's this collaborative aspect of it between the editor, between copy editors, between a whole team. Um, and I think that while I loved it, there were also major problems with it and that's why I want to go outside and create something that is accessible to my generation because we are going online and blogging and creating our own spaces and Instagram and Twitter and there's this idea that we're this digitalized generation, which is true. We are ephemeral, but we also crave tangibility and I think that the future of publishing is this hybridity and I would like to be there. So do you think as you're looking at, at developing your own publishing platform, pu- publishing entity, I don't want to say imprint because we don't know, that, that the system that, that's more preferable to you trying to work within it and work with it than going and building your own thing outside of it? Yes, I would prefer that because of the resources and because of this access. Mm-hmm. However, I am more than happy to go outside of it it's, it's not going to stand in my way. And I think that is something that you see across this platform where everyone has gone about what they want to do no matter the obstacles. Right. <laughs> so then Lula, who chose not to go to university, 
and wrote an article or wrote a piece for ID that had the most views or something on that choice. It was a few years ago because this is obviously a big, this is an issue for a lot of young people. But I think that, can you speak to sort of like your choice to yeah. go around that and kind of I why? Think that, um, the biggest issue that I face with traditional systems such as education or workplace is that they're not, um, don't want to be adaptable or flexible to our fluid thinking and mindset. And as you said about the client that you had that was visibly distressed about the way we think, it's works the same the other way around. Like for me, working within a rigid structure is actually really hard. Like it makes my skin crawl because I can't do it. Um, so when I was at school, and I think I must have been 14 and I was starting my own things, I was like kind of doing self-initiated uh, fashion projects outside of the curriculum. And I was so excited to tell my teacher because I had a really good career opportunity. And so I went to her and I told her and I said, can I take two days off school to go to London to meet with these editors? And she didn't bat an eyelid. And she said no. (laughs) And for me, I was just so, sorry, uh, frustrated that I couldn't have that fluidity. And then so when I was looking at university, I was like, this is a whole system that I don't feel will work for me. And so I essentially ended up crowdsourcing my own education because of that. Right, because it, it, it didn't allow for space. Mm. It wasn't elastic. Yeah, exactly. So then Kai, <laughs> sort of perfect. Um, so you're an activist, which actually means you, in theory, should be in opposition to system all the time, right? Yeah. But then we have really amazing organizations, I mean, corporations, brands, etc., that some with very genuine intentions of wanting to, to participate and help in those things. So I'm just curious about your experience, or if you even think, first of all, that as an activist, can you ever work with, or is it always outside? And then, you know... Ultimately, can those sorts of things be partners in, in being able um, to change? I think you um, definitely can work together. Um, I said to you earlier, I feel like we're the generation who is so um, uncomfortable with feeling uncomfortable, which is a really, really important thing, which means that we actually demand um, spaces and uh, platforms for what we deserve, we demand to be paid for our labor and our time and our uh, services and our gifts and talents, which is really important. Um, so what I like to do, most of my work, so as a spoken word poet, most of my work um, is a social commentary, which um, I guess is lens through being a queer trans man of color um, and trying to dismantle all of these sort of oppressive systems within that. Um, and then trying to also encourage and invite organizations and brands to do the same. So it's about kind of going in and seeing how you can shake things up. It's about trying to, um, I always say to people, if you're going to hire me to be, I don't know, in a space to um, give emotional labor and and talk about my work or talk about what it's like to be a, a trans person of color, Um, you need to be able to also think about what happens within your institution already. So uh, the language that's used, is there uh, a a real focus on sort of binary language? Um, Are people going to uh, misgender people? Um, Are you making sure that you're ensuring safety there and from situations? So it's, it's more for me about not necessarily becoming not necessarily coming to somewhere and saying this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. It's more saying that this is outdated. 
in order to have me, you need to do X, Y, and Z yeah. because I can't be in this space and I can't be, I don't want to be here for the season in which it's very trendy to be trans or it's very trendy to be a, a, a black trans person. Will you still be benefiting me when I am no longer at the top of the trend? Are you still going to be supporting my work then? And in that sense, when you do get organizations, only recently I worked with um, Stella McCartney. I wrote the poem for the breast cancer awareness um, piece that was narrated by Idris Elba. And it was just proof of how you can work actively. So we were talking about men um, speaking on breast cancer as an issue. Um, and I then came into this and said, okay, but trans men are have the biggest high, highest risk of developing breast, breast cancer from binding, et cetera, um, and uh, hormone treatment. So are we addressing that or are we just addressing cisgendered men? Because if we're just addressing cisgendered men, then I can't be a part of this. And automatically um, it opened this new dialogue of conversation um, and inclusion. And, um, and that was really, really important for me. So I feel like you can, it's just about people being willing to be educated by somebody who comes from the generation below them, which is really difficult because well, ultimately listening, right? you're, As I, I don't know, everyone, everyone assumes that we either ask too much or we um, are maybe like incorrect in information. And I don't think that we ask for too much. I think that we're just the first generation that can't survive off not getting paid for things and not getting yeah. platforms for things. And we're not afraid to ask for them and yeah. to actually to demand them. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't, I don't think that's a problem. And I think that's where activism and organizations can come together in creating something that is inclusive um, and, and also thinking forward until we have this, how can we make it more inclusive? So it seems like, and then we have to wrap it up here, but but I want you all to say one thing before we leave. Um, that essentially what all of you are saying is it's about somebody listening. Like, Lula, a teacher didn't listen. Like, you know, and Nikolai, I know with your editor. So actually, one, a step toward sitting in that middle room instead of the you walking by is, is a conversation. And actually listening, not saying, hey, we want to have a Gen Z here because we want to, like, check that box. We want the trans person. We want to take that box. But actually doing it because I did it. I did it with my first company. It was the smartest thing I ever did. I didn't make a single decision with it. they made it. Not down to the tiniest detail. And it makes life much easier. So will you guys quickly we have two seconds. I want just like one word out of each of you as far as like one piece of advice you could give anybody sitting here about working with you or how to how to not have you destroy their walls. Um, I think Rapid fire. I think the most important thing that um, the you know established brands and established companies can do is to involve young people themselves. Okay. That's how you reach um, a young audience. Work with them. Yeah. Yep. Um, I would say reimagine and redefine what activism is, um, and understand that it isn't something that is threatening um, a brand's image. Is in fact, something that's benefiting that and the people who will be the consumers of it. Okay. Um, I would say work with our fluidity, not against it, because you could stop the next Einstein from happening. Nice. Yeah, I'd agree with everything that everyone said. Um, I'd say that collaboration is the most important thing. It's collaboration where it really is um, 
you know, like this thing of learning from each other and taking from each other and us taking from old generations and old generations taking from us, et cetera, et cetera. I think, and with brands, collaboration, like in a really genuine way is, is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think what, again, what everyone said, and we don't really know where the future is going, but we do want to work with you and create something better. All right. Thanks, guys. If you enjoyed this conversation, you might be interested in BOF Professional, our global membership community from the business of fashion. BOF Professional members receive unlimited access to all of our articles, daily members-only analysis, the BOF Professional iPhone app, biannual print issues, and all of our online education courses as part of your membership. For a limited time only, we are offering BOF Podcast listeners an exclusive discount on an annual BOF Professional membership. To get 25% off of your first year, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special invitation code PODCAST2019 at the checkout. We hope you enjoy it, and don't forget to tell your friends.